Welcome back to Dave's podcast. And I'm here today with another guest. I've got Ants with me. Ants, welcome. Thank you. Hello. We first met through Lee Abbey, where you worked as... Catering manager, yeah. And uh, and before that, you were working... I was at the Eden Project in Cornwall. I was there for four years. It was great. Was that in catering? Yeah, I was in the catering there. We had a huge catering department, about 100 people in the team, and um, feeding thousands of visitors. Were you um, part of a team, or were you in, in charge of it? Or? There, it was split into different kitchens, and so I worked in all the different kitchens there, and... Um, yeah, it was a very exciting place to be. I was there before it opened up fully, and then obviously, as it, it we had like a visit, little visitor centre, and then we closed for a few months and I had to plant in the humid tropics biome, which was quite fun. And then after that, we we opened up fully to the public, and um, it was just a very exciting place to be early on. I think. What do you think about when you say it was a very exciting place to be? We, it was because for Cornwall, it was like nothing else had ever happened quite like it um you know when you had James Bond coming to film in in the biomes and you know you had prime ministers coming in one day and other celebrities coming in and um but just this whole project which captured the local um imagination and and nationally uh, and to be part of it early on was, was really exciting especially before we opened because they hadn't got all the funding and you know, there was different meetings going on in London and we knew that when if these meetings went badly and the funding wasn't going to come through to complete the project we could be out on our hoof if you know and so um, you know it, it, it was exciting at the beginning and it felt very much we were part of the project I was there I, I feel for the, a, a great time and just jumping ahead when we were at Lee Abbey together uh, Edward and Sophie Prince yes Edward, he came didn't he and yeah that both came I can remember when we we were asked if we would do lunch for them and um, I thought uh, yeah that <laughs> definitely and um, but it was really exciting and, and I think part of it what was really interesting for me is we had very international community and in my kitchen team I think I had about 10 different nationalities they were almost more excited about meeting members of the royal family than some of the English people and they put on their national dress and and were really excited about it and then to be able to feed them was great and they were they were very grateful and and they yeah they they were glad we didn't provide them with sandwiches I think uh, often they go to places and they just get sandwiches. So if you ever um, provide food for the royal family, don't do sandwiches. What did you do? We did smoked salmon blinis with a little bit of caviar on top. So I thought we got to push the boat out. And um, they didn't want anything with garlic and they didn't want any alcohol. Um, and, and we did little goat's cheese tart. It was all quite small finger food because it was a, a sort of a short informal lunch. But, um, yeah, it was it was good fun. So, do you do you, you seem to welcome the, these kind of opportunities? But I like the pressure um, of an event like that. That you know, whether it's a wedding or a, or a high profile function, you know, and, and I think everybody sort of ups their game a little bit. Everyone wants to push a little bit harder and achieve a bit more and do something just a bit better than they would normally. And I quite like that that pressure. Um, maybe it's a bit sadistic I don't know but uh, yeah it, it's it's I like the mundane but I think now and again it needs to be in, interspersed with something exciting and so that's what helps helps you get along I think a bit have you ever been involved with something like that where it's just gone completely wrong I mean there's all, often been disasters in 
the cooking that I've done, but n nothing that's been horrendous in a big... I can remember once just doing jacket potatoes at Lee Abbey once and the oven hadn't gone on at the time I th thought I'd set it for and I had half an hour to go and about 150 people to feed and an oven full of raw potatoes. So um, that was quite interesting. That lunch was a little bit late. <laughs> but, you know, there's no, you know, at Lee Abbey, you can, people don't mind so much. They kind of just sit and chat and wait till the food's actually ready. But Lee Abbey, just for those listening who haven't been there, is a big conference centre. So you've got about 100 guests, haven't you? Yeah. Plus quite a few people who are on the community working there, maybe 50, 60 or so, whatever. I remember once something had happened that the first course wasn't ready. This was at lunch and they were doing puddings in those, those days. Yeah. So they brought out the pudding <laughs> and served that first. <laughs> you never that, done anything that, like that. that. No, but that's probably quite a good idea, really, just to keep people fed. <laughs> I don't know. I, that Certainly before my time. And now, what, where, where are you working at? Yeah, I'm, I'm the catering manager at a secondary school in Bude and it's I've got a team of seven and we provide the food for the school and, and yeah it's great we've got a real range of kids I absolutely love it Lee Abbey was many people would probably describe it as the perfect job for me because of all the different things that I was involved in there it's leaving Lee Abbey and entering into something else was quite daunting and I thought would working in a school be that challenging would it be creatively challenging and I absolutely love it I feel very fulfilled I feel called to the job and it's it's been a great experience really a huge learning curve I've never worked in a school like that before one of the things I wanted to do was to set up a cookery school where we teach adults how to cook a lot of them that come know how to cook and want to sort of develop the skills and maybe push things a bit further technically so that's been a, a more recent development um, it's, it's starting up the cookery school which is going really well so just to come back to school dinners for a second I don't know if other people have this vision school dinners to me are like sort of soapy potatoes yeah. and semolina pudding yeah, yeah, yeah has it moved on a long way I, I think it has moved in a long way I would say I'm slightly competitive and I would like I don't think we're maybe there quite yet, but I would like it to be the best food in any school in the country. That's really difficult. I've got two pounds to spend to provide a hot meal and dessert for the children that come through. That's a real challenge. I don't break the rules, but I try and stretch them maybe a little bit. Sometimes kids are a lot braver than we give them credit for. And so, you know, I do a seafood paella where there's mussels and clams and different things like that, or maybe a dessert like tart to tan, which is you know, posh French tart, really, and, and things like that, and trying to do things that maybe they catches their attention and makes them look twice. But I don't try and scare them too much. I, I try and every Tuesday I do what it's like a, a retro Tuesday we call it, where we'll have sausages and mash or spotted dick or you know sticky toffee pudding, something like that. So it's not all out there. And then Mondays is what I call International Monday. Wednesdays always a roast, and Thursday pasta dish. Friday I do like a kind of a twist on a takeaway or street food. So I've done um, I had like a healthy version of. Kentucky Fried Chicken, that went down very well, or chicken enchiladas, things like that, Thai fish cakes. If I did salad and carrot sticks and hummus every day, I wouldn't make any money and that would be a problem. But on the other hand, you can try and make it healthy and interesting and try and keep it on budget. But, you know, I think the worst thing you could do is to make it boring. And I think we need to try and avoid that at every cost. Do you talk to the youngsters, the mm, children? I do. And I think I remember grumpy dinner ladies. 
I, I try and encourage my team to think of the children as our boss. They're the people who are paying our wages. They're the people who we need to look after and, and to treat them as well as they would be treated if they walked into the finest restaurant in the country. And that's what I try and change that sort of mindset of pesky children, oh, I've got to feed them kind of thing. Actually, there are customers. But more than that, you get to know them. You know, they're coming through every day and you do build up relationships with them. You see some of them who, who are having a bad day or are kicking off and it's not a teacher-pupil relationship it's slightly more informal than that and so you know that does give you a bit of a routine in terms of building friendship with some of them and and that's quite exciting when you bring out some of these new dishes mm. that they presumably they, some of them won't have ever heard of yeah I mean, the thing, I, the idea I've got with children is if they don't know what it is, they don't want to eat it. Yeah, and I think we get that. And you, you can see, what I love about young people is they don't hold back. They will pretend to be sick. They will make noises. They'll say, that looks disgusting. You know, or they'll say, wow, that's amazing. And, and what I try and do is, you know, I'll, I'll give them a bit of free food, you know, and say, look, try it. Tell me what you think. You know, that way, again, you're building up rapport. They can try it and they can actually say, no, actually, it really is disgusting. <laughs> or, or actually, oh yeah, no, that's quite good. And sometimes you've got to gently, gently catch the monkey, just encourage them, and then maybe they won't have it that time. Maybe the next time you put it on the menu in a few weeks' time, or whatever, they might kind of have a closer look, and then maybe the time after that, they'll actually try it. One of the retro dishes I did, really old recipe, sugared plums, a sort of autumn dish. And, and you know, it's a whole piece of fruit, really, in a, in a, like a meringue type shell and, and and some of the kids turn their noses up at it I mean they don't look that amazing they taste incredible it took a while for the kids to kind of show much interest in them and then eventually they went for it and, and it's quite a popular dish now so yeah sometimes you've got to ease them into it so have you still got dishes to try that you haven't yet approached? I change the menu three times a year. I, I know what I'm like. I work better under pressure. And so when I think, right, I've got a new menu in about two weeks' time, that's when I start really researching different things, looking at what's going to work financially and all of that kind of stuff. And now and again, you see something or something gives you an idea and you say, oh, yeah, I could try that. One of the things I'm going to try and do is do some homemade pasta dishes. So actually make the pasta in the kitchen, roll it out and, and shape it and, and make, and actually using homemade pasta and get the kids to see that happening. And you've got time to do that? Yeah, well, I, I think so. Sometimes you've just got to do it, you know, and, and get in there earlier, work a bit later, whatever it might be, but just to, to try and get something different happening. So it keeps their interest, really. And you say so the kids would see you making it? Well, we've got two or three um, children that have either have got behavioural problems or th those with special needs and they'll, they'll just come and work wherever. So you really build up relationship with the guys coming in the kitchen. It's great because they get involved in the cooking and, and that that's really exciting to see them and we had one lad who didn't really engage that much in school and he came and did two weeks work experience um, with us and he spent two weeks in the kitchen. He'd been through 30 different foster homes in his life. This is only a 15, 16 year old lad. It, it kind of became a bit of a home for him. Every morning he would come in and after his work experience and help unload the deliveries and you know, he would pop in at break time and we'd see him every day and it was really sad when he left school. He's now gone into catering and you know, we're really proud of him. He even pops back now and again to say hi and I'm not saying it was all down to his work in the kitchen. 
but you know it was somewhere he could feel at home develop his interest in catering yeah I, I, I would like to think it helped him through his last sort of year and a half at school really and you mentioned earlier about the uh, catering school idea yeah I started a, a evening class for adults not necessarily associated with the school just to teach them cooking and it's quite good because it keeps me on my toes so you know I, I've got to either demonstrate or teach these 10 other people to, to cook different stuff I've done two sort of terms of, of the cookery school and I'll be doing another one after Christmas and it's great we spend sort of three hours we've done loads of different dishes from floating islands or earth à la nage is a French classic dessert gâteaux homemade pasta with different sauces loads of different things that we've covered and um, it's great and that's really where I'm pushing myself creatively you know I need to be competent in whatever I'm doing to to demonstrate it or to to help these guys learn how to do it themselves it's a lot of hard work in preparation for those intensive three hours each Thursday night but it's great fun to do are you inspired by any of the celebrity chefs that are around yeah loads I, I think as a student studying catering um marco pierre white was just coming out on the scene and he was like the rock and roll chef of the time and um i can remember we did a couple of weeks work experience in london at a grotty hotel and we had a day off and me and my friend we we went and just waited outside the restaurant to see if we could see him coming out or, you know it, we couldn't have ever afforded to go in it was so expensive but it was um just to to get a sniff of where he worked and everything was was very exciting. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for Jamie Oliver, obviously linked with the school dinners and the kind of things he's doing. How long have you been a Christian? I well, I, I've brought up. I was brought up as a Christian. My dad was a vicar, and so I, I've, I guess I've always been a Christian. I think I made my first commitment to God when I was 11 years old, in front of a great big cinema screen at the Cornwall Coliseum, 1989, with Billy Graham stood in front. Um, and I'm sure there's been many times where I've recommitted my life, but yeah, that was the first time I, I would say I made a, a real commitment. And at that point, were you interested in doing catering and food and all that at that point? Not, not at all, really. Uh, it was only in the later teens we did it at school. I, and to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it at school. I found it was very pressurised. I wasn't flexible at all. And when you're cooking, actually, an element of flexibility is important. And I can remember, you know, when your cookery teacher says, right, next week you're doing this or that. And I'd go to the shop. And if I couldn't find exactly the ingredients with my mum when we went to shop for this thing, I would lose it. I had to have everything think exactly how it how it was on the list I couldn't be at all flexible which I laugh at now you know when my kitchen guys say oh we've run out of this or we've run out of that and you know I'll say oh, I just improvise and stuff and then I'll think back to when I was 14 15 years old losing it in the as the car park with my mum because we couldn't find anchovies or something but something grabbed me in that I, I loved the cooking element of it I think there was a brilliant catering college about an hour away from where we lived and so I signed up and, and it sort of started there really. Does your faith affect the way you do what you do? Why you do what you do? I hope so. I hope so. I, I think there's no nobody really who would say, yeah, they're definitely a Christian in my team. And, you know, that can be a real pressure. Also in a school, you've got to be careful to a certain extent in terms of pushing your faith. And, and I think, you know, I've got six, seven other women in the kitchen. There's a lot of talk. And, you know, and if we cover a surprisingly and shocking range of subjects um, and obviously faith does come up in that and and I, I wouldn't say I hold back 
I, I, I would say I'm quite open and happy to talk about it. I don't. I wouldn't say I always initiate talks about faith and, and things like that, but I, I feel very strongly that I'm called to be there. You know, I, I feel I am there to represent God to them. You know, I think that might sound a bit of an arrogant thing to say, but uh, you know, I'm a very poor image of God, but it, it, nonetheless, there is because I am a Christian, because I've asked God into my life, I therefore do represent him. And so I, I'm very conscious of that. And, and it may not be necessarily what I say as much as what I do. Again, that can be a very poor image of God that comes across from me. But, you know, th there is a lot of pressure sometimes in the kitchen environment. And, you know, you've got people who are coming in from very different backgrounds, some of which, you know, they're quite happy and content in life, others maybe who are struggling. It's how you approach those pressurized situations. And, and trying to be fair, trying to be just in those decisions. I think there's certain situations I wouldn't have been able to cope with if I didn't have the help of God directing and, and guiding. So it can be quite exciting at times. I th it's a real privilege, I think, to work there. Do you think that the vision you have for the way you, you know, use your skills, whether it's in the school mm. or whether it's in the adult uh, school that you're talking about, do you see that as coming directly from God? I think so. I, I would say, you know, God uses your, your personality, uses your giftings. All good things come from him. So I, I would say that, yes, I am being used in that way. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think everybody has gifts and I think God has given everybody gifts. It's up to you what you do with them. Some people might leave them dormant and not do anything with it. But I think also God wants you to develop gifts as well. So if you've got a gift of singing or playing an instrument, you know, you might learn three chords and leave it there or actually you might think, well, God's given me this gift. Actually, I need to become the best I can be with it. it it's like he won't give you the finished article or the finished package he might give you a bit but he wants you to then take that and develop it and to become more of a, a blessing through the gift he's given you and that comes through graft and hard work and, and practice and dedication and all of that kind of thing really thanks very much Hans thank you very much thanks very much for listening that was Dave's podcast